Yo, what is good, everyone, and welcome back to the Mayo Media Network. My name's Griffin Swanson, and today I'm here to break down the Thursday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Got a couple of prize picks that I like for this game, and then we're going to dive into my spreadsheet, breaking down that DraftKings showdown slate. But before we do that, don't forget to smash that like button to this video and subscribe to the Mayo Media Network. They got football content coming out Monday through Sunday all season long, and you don't want to miss out on any of that. For you podcast people, you can head on over to the Apple Pods or Spotify and find all the content there. But let's go ahead and dive into this Thursday night game, kicking it off with a couple of prize picks that I like. So I'm over on the prizepicks.com website here now. For those of you who have not signed up for prize picks and you want to do so, make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. So it's basically house money, free money that you're playing with right off the bat. And the nice thing about prize picks is as soon as you put your deposit in, they match that right away. You don't have to play a bunch of contests, earn it back as kind of a bonus like some of these other DFS sites. Now you'll get that house money right off the bat again just make sure you use code MMN. Now I got my eye on two different picks here for this Thursday night game but you can see here there's a lot of different props that we can pick from and you can even go over to this fantasy score if you'd like to as well and play it as such but I have my eye on two receiving props this week. The first probably comes as no surprise here taking the over on Cooper Cup at 84 and a half receiving yards yeah he had kind of a dud week last week but he still saw 13 targets in that game, 64 receiving yards prior to that he had 108 163 and 96 receiving yards throughout the first three games this guy has seen at least 10 targets throughout the first four games and the chemistry is very real between him and Matthew Stafford we got this whole breakfast narrative that they had all offseason getting breakfast with each other every morning and that's seeming to pay dividends here early on in the season and on top of all of that I mean the volume is just incredible but this secondary for the Seattle Seahawks is just not very good I'll touch on that more in the spreadsheet but I like the over here at 84 and a half receiving yards think Cooper Cup gets there on Thursday night and then the other receiving I prop is right there as well I'm gonna take the under on Chris Carson at 13 and a half receiving yards this guy has been quite disappointing to start the year to say the least he has punched in three touchdowns on the ground but outside of that that really hasn't been all that impressive especially through the passing game this guy really hasn't been notorious for catching a bunch of passes and getting a bunch of targets in this offense anyway um, but now he's starting to split carries with Alex Collins a little bit or at least he did in week four I'll touch on that in the spreadsheet as well but here are the targets that Carson has seen throughout the first four weeks he had three in week one he did have three catches as well for 26 receiving yards so that's the only time he's hit the over all season long week two he had zero targets obviously zero catches week three he had two targets he had two catches in that game but it went for two yards total and then last week he had one target one reception and went for one one yard. This guy just does not get involved in the passing game. He's kind of battling a bit of a neck injury too. I suspect he will play, which will even bode better for us taking the under on this receiving prop. I know taking the under isn't fun, but I do believe that this one makes sense. So to recap here, going to take the over on Cooper Cup at 84 and a half receiving yards, take the under on Chris Carson at 13 and a half receiving yards. And again, we can approach this two different ways. We can go with the flex play here or the power play. If you go the route of the power play you will need both of your picks to hit or all of your picks depending on how many you play but it does increase the payout now again for those of you who do want to sign up for prize picks make sure you use code mmn upon sign up 
for up to a $100 match deposit. It is legit free money, so make sure you take advantage of that. Well, let's hop into the spreadsheet here and break down that DraftKings showdown slate. Now, as always, going to kick things off here in the top left-hand corner with these Vegas odds for Thursday night. You can see here the Rams are favored to win on the road with a money line of minus 140 and a minus 2.5 point point spread. You can see the over-under there is at 55 points too. Definitely projecting to be a shootout in this game. Both of these offenses know how to put up points on the scoreboard. That Seattle defense is not very good. And as much talent as there is on that Rams defense, we've seen them a bit susceptible at times throughout the first four games as well. So I think there will be a lot of points scored in this game. And then I got those showdown stats here from 2020 when it comes to making the most optimal showdown lineups. Let's hop on over to this other sheet here and go through these pretty quickly, but take a screenshot of them. Do whatever you want. I just want to go over these in regards to the top 1% of lineups from last year. So number one there, 92% of all showdown lineups rostered at least one quarterback, and of the top 1% of lineups, 96% had a quarterback rostered as well. Number two, 33% of all lineups rostered a wide receiver at captain, and of the top 1% of lineups, 31.4% had a wide receiver captain as well. Number three, 57% of the top 1% lineups rostered a captain from the team favored to win. So in this Thursday night game, the Rams. Number four, run it back. An opposing quarterback, wide receiver or tight end was included in 88.9% of winning lineups that rostered a quarterback wide receiver or tight end from the other team at captain number five ignore defense and kickers in the captain spot very rarely does that work only 1.1% of the time last year in the top 1% of lineups and the last one there do not play more than two kickers or defenses in the same lineup usually one is fine especially in a game like this that is projecting to be a shootout now there can be some miscues you can see defense of touchdowns and shootouts like this, um, but very rarely is a defense going to rack up a bunch of points that has an over-under of 55 points. So those are the six stats from last year when it comes to the top 1% of lineups and making optimal NFL showdown lineups. But all right, let's dive into my favorite plays here for this showdown, kicking it off with the captains. Now, as y'all know, I always list out a captain from both sides of this game, starting there with the Rams side, going to go with Cooper Cup. I mean, how do we not talk about this guy in the captain spot? Just completely dominated to start the year. Like I said, he kind of had a down week last week, but still had 11 DraftKings points, hit double-digit DraftKings points in every single game so far this year. If we just run through his list here, had 26.8 in week one, 39.8 in week two, just an incredible ceiling, 30.6 in week three, and then last week 11.4. He damn near leads the team in every statistical category. Target share, 35%. Air yards, 33%. He's got five touchdowns and 35 receptions throughout four weeks. This guy's almost averaging 10 receptions a game through four weeks. That's incredible. And he's seen at least 10 targets in every single game so far this year as well. 10, 11, 12, and 13 actually over the first four weeks. So yes, he's the most expensive player on this slate here. Maybe that will garner a little less ownership. I highly doubt it. But again, how do we not talk about this guy in the captain spot? And then on the Seattle side here, I went with Tyler Lockett. Now, I'd love to highlight Chris Carson here, but as I mentioned in the prize pick section, he just has not impressed so far this year. Now he's battling that neck injury. I suspect he will play, but I'm just not very high on him heading into this matchup. But the one area the Rams defense has really kind of struggled against is stopping the run. So that's why I like Chris Carson. You know, maybe if we do get word that Pete Carroll's going to go back to his old ways this week and hammer the rock 25 plus times, uh, maybe we consider him once again. I just don't know if I can go there 
there as of right now. So I'm going to highlight Tyler Lockett here. He should avoid Jalen Ramsey for the most part in this game. I suspect we'll see Ramsey on DK as much as possible. Now, that doesn't mean that Lockett has a good matchup here because Darius Williams is a legit cornerback as well. But Lockett has a really nice ceiling score. We really kind of saw that in the first two weeks where he just exploded for 30-plus DraftKings points, had 29 in Week 1, but 34.8 in Week 2. That's the upside that he has. Now, that's not to say that DK doesn't have that upside because he does, just a little tougher matchup against Jalen Ramsey. I'll touch on that with DK when I go into the flex plays. But yeah, this is where I kind of pivoted to considering I just don't know if I can trust Carson this week. I think Lockett's upside in this matchup is still good enough to where we can put him in the captain spot. Now, hopping on down here to the flex plays. Honestly, I almost talked about Russ Wilson in the captain spot as well, but considering him and Cooper Cup are the two most expensive players on this slate, I wanted to get a little different with Tyler Lockett, but by all means, I think Russ is a captain play as well. And it might be one of those games where we need to see him use his legs and rushing ability a little bit more, especially considering how good those cornerbacks are for the Rams and how banged up Chris Carson is heading into this matchup, or at least how mediocre he's been to say the least. And Russ has the potential to go for 30 plus DraftKings points. He does have the weapons to throw to. I'm hoping that Gerald Everett is going to be back, who I have highlighted below. Did miss last week due to COVID. Again, I'll touch on that later in this video, but Russ has enough surrounding him to make plays, but also has tremendous rushing upside too, so I don't mind him here in the captain spot or as a flex play. Again, I go back to this first stat from last year. 92% of all showdown lineups rostered at least one quarterback, and 96% of the top 1% of lineups did as well, so it's almost inevitable that you're going to have one of Russell Wilson or Matthew Stafford in your showdown lineup. And speaking of Matthew Stafford here, I by all means think you could put him in the captain spot too. I certainly prefer Cooper Cup. He's got a higher ceiling, but Stafford should be able to pick apart this Seattle secondary. Not a lot going on there outside of Jamal Adams. They're allowing 292 passing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks, the fifth most in the NFL. They're also allowing 24 DraftKings points per game to opposing QBs, something Matthew Stafford can definitely accomplish and probably exceed that. There's a number of different weapons that you can stack up up with. Cooper Cup, obviously, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, or even someone like Deshaun Jackson who can score a long touchdown. So I prefer Cooper Cup but think you could put Stafford in the captain spot. I just prefer him more as a flex play. And then we got DK Metcalf there. Now look, I think we all know this. He's going to have a tough matchup in this game against Jalen Ramsey. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Ramsey kind of follow him around and shadow him in this game. We've seen that in the past. And DK kind of struggled during the regular season last year against this defense. However, he did have a solid game in the playoffs against the Rams, had five catches, 96 receiving yards, and two touchdowns in that game. So this guy is athletic enough, he's fast enough to where he can win that matchup at times, but it's not something I'm banking on snap after snap or target after target. Jalen Ramsey is going to get his, but I think we can still play DK Metcalf. I don't know if I want to go there in the captain spot, and that's hard for me to say because DK Metcalf has a tremendous ceiling more games than not. I just don't know if this is one of those games, but I think you'll see him used in the captain spot by some lineups for sure. I, I, again, I just don't know if I'm going to go there. Next, we got the Rams running back there. Daryl Henderson, great matchup here against the Seattle defense. think you could use him in the captain spot as kind of a mid-price guy, if you will, but as bad as that Seattle defense has been at stopping the pass, 
They've been even worse at stopping the run, allowing 152 rushing yards per game, the most in the NFL. Now, he is kind of battling a rib injury. We saw him miss week three due to that, but got back on track last week and has played pretty solid in all three starts this year. He's got 15.7, 17.2, and 16.6 DraftKings points. Getting a little bit more involved over the past two games in the passing game as well. Saw five and six targets over the past two. I wish he did get a little more volume when it comes to rushing attempts. Saw 16 in week one, 13 in week two, missed week three, and then had 14 last week. I wish that number was in the higher teens or even close to 20, um, but enough to work with here, especially against this defense. Again, I prefer more as a flex play, but if you're looking for kind of a mid-priced option, he's probably my favorite at 8.4K. And then we got two more pass catchers here for the Rams. Tyler Higby, the tight end, and one of their deep threats, Van Jefferson. Look, Deshaun Jackson is in play too. I just prefer Van Jefferson because he's playing a lot more offensive snaps, and volume is key for me. But Tyler Higby here, let's touch on him first. Has the third most targets on the team with 18, the second most receptions, only behind Cooper Cup. He's been really solid after the catch, though. 99 of his 152 receiving yards this year have come after the catch. So that was really intriguing to me. A guy they will use in the red zone too can catch touchdowns. And at 5.6K, I certainly don't mind this matchup here against the Seattle Seahawks. Van Jefferson, same thing. Obviously a great matchup against that secondary, but he's got that deep threat ability. We saw it back in week one when he scored that 67-yard touchdown. And then we're gonna wrap it up there with three guys on the Seattle side, starting with Freddie Swain, the number three wide receiver in this Seattle offense. You know, with all the attention on Lockett and DK this week. I like Freddie Swain at 4.6k. I actually just went and saw one of the quotes from the defensive coordinator for the Rams and he flat out said, expect Ramsey to be on DK in this matchup. Expect Darius Williams to be on Lockett. So those guys are going to be pretty much locked in, which should lead Swain here to David Long. Now David Long is no slouch by any means, but it's certainly the best of the three wide receiver cornerback matchups in this game. And just like Van Jefferson, as the number three wide receiver in this offense, Swain's playing a pretty legit amount of snaps, 62% of the offensive snaps through four weeks. So if you kind of want to pivot away from what should be pretty chalky in Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, I really like Freddie Swain here, and he's a good price tag as well. So if you want to roll out Russell Wilson, this could be a low-priced option to stack him up with. And the same thing here with Gerald Everett. Now again, he did miss last week due to having COVID. However, he did have his first negative test on Monday, so he just needs one more negative test in order to play on Thursday. I suspect we will see him play, but keep an eye on that, especially if you're setting your lineups early. You don't want to start a guy here who's out due to having COVID, so check that before kickoff, uh, but I do believe that he's going to play in this game. And look, the Rams defense has kind of been a little susceptible to opposing tight ends this year, allowing 16.1 DraftKings points per game two opposing tight ends. Now, 4K here, he's really cheap. We really don't need a whole lot for him to meet value. Again, a low-priced option to stack up with Russ Wilson, or just even get a little more contrarian. If you're going to roll out a heavy stack on the Ram side with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and maybe even someone like Daryl Henderson, well, you're going to have to save a little bit of money throughout the rest of your lineup. Gerald Everett, Freddie Swain, and even Alex Collins, who I'll touch on next, I think are all great low-priced options. And then the last player we got there is Alex Collins. You know, I've touched on Chris Carson quite a bit throughout this video. 
I just don't know how much I trust him heading into Thursday, especially battling that neck injury, mispractice on Tuesday. Certainly not a good sign heading into this Thursday matchup. I kind of hope he does play, though, just because we'll likely get Collins at much lower ownership. And he basically split carries and snaps with Carson last week and played much better than Carson, was a lot more efficient, and finished with 15.8 DraftKings points. Look, if Collins gets us 15 DraftKings points at 3.2K, he's smashing his value. It's a backup running back, though, so do note that. Uh, but I think that's going to be something that we kind of see here going forward. Alex Collins getting more involved in this Seattle offense. All right, everyone, that is going to wrap up the video here for today. As always, thank you all for taking the time out of your day to watch these videos. Don't forget to like this video here. Subscribe to the Mayo Media Network. Like I said, they got football content coming out Monday through Sunday all season long, and you don't want to miss out on any of that. For you podcast people, you can head on over to the Apple Pods or Spotify, find all the content there, and leave a five-star review while you're at it. And again, for those of you who want to sign up for prize picks, make sure you use code MMN upon sign-up for up to a $100 match deposit. But let's enjoy this Thursday night game here, folks. Probably one of the best we'll see all season long. I'm out of here. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Fantasy Football Picks and Bets, presented by Prize Picks. I'm Lauren Carpenter. You can find me at Stepmom Lauren, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We have my five over-under picks for the 7-11 challenge. We have some updated injury news, and we also have some streamers and dumpster dives that you can target in case you missed out on those very important waiver claims from last night. Today is Wednesday, and let's just get right down to it, everybody. If you have not signed up for prize picks yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It is a ton of fun. It's very, also very easy. Go to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code MMN and it gets your deposit of up to $100 matched. There is also a link in the description of this video that you can follow. Very simple. And the 7-Eleven challenge is also very easy. And you can get involved still. It's fine. We have tons of people that are involved. But there's prizes out the wazoo. So many. First, second, third, middle, last. Lots of ways for you to get involved. Go ahead and do so. It's very easy to participate. All you do is pick five over-unders for the Sunday slate of games. You can do Thursday if you want, but normally Sunday is the way to go. Just make sure it is not a Monday night game. Five over-unders and change that bet amount to $7.11. That is how prize picks will track it. Again, use the promo code MMN if you haven't signed up already to get your deposit of up to $100 matched. Or just follow the link in the description if you're lazy. Mike, Mike can be sometimes, so it's right there for you. But let's hop into my five over-unders that I have already submitted. I am very excited about this. So let's go ahead and put that up on the screen for you here. I have AJ Green. That's right. He has proven that he is getting involved in this offense with defenses scheming around DeAndre Hopkins. So I have him over 46 and a half yards receiving. Speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, I have him too. I had him over a half a touchdown. I know he's been very quiet, but that's okay. I think this is going to be the week that DeAndre Hopkins gets a score. And uh, Derrick Henry, again, this is another situation here where there are no wide receivers really available. And by that, I mean no Julio Jones or A.J. Brown that we know of yet. Again, this is Wednesday. Make sure you tune in on Friday to Pat Mayo's show so that you can get the latest on the injury updates. But I still have Derrick Henry on the over of 119 and a half rushing yards. And I also have Matthew Stafford here at over 
over five and a half rushing yards. And Zach Wilson, that's right. I love the addition of Jamison Crowder on the offense. So I'm going to go the over on 240 and a half passing yards. That's a little aggressive, but you know what? I'm into it. I like it. So there you go. Those are my five over-unders for the 7-Eleven Challenge promo code MMNPrizePicks.com or there's a link in the description. And, um, you know, we got to go over injuries. That's kind of par for the course when it comes to fantasy football. But before we get into injury news, I do have some fun news that I'm kind of not surprised about. Justin Fields has been officially named the starter for the Chicago Bears. Um, Preseason, I did say that Andy Dalton is going to get, quote, injured and then Justin Fields is going to be the starter week four moving on. I wish I had that clip. I will go back and find it and then put it on social media at Stepmom Lauren so that y'all can see how good I am at guessing. But yeah, Justin Fields, starter for the Chicago Bears. And uh, sticking with the Bears here, if you haven't heard already by now, David Montgomery is set to miss at least four to five weeks with a knee injury. Now, this is likely going to take him through the Week 10 bye, which means we probably won't see Montgomery till Week 11. So be prepared. Damian Williams was that hot name off the waiver wire, but Khalil Herbert is a sneaky name that you can pick up and stash if you want to. Um, I do have him later on here on the uh, Dumpster Dive segment. He should be pretty widely available, but he is now the RB2. And if the Chicago Bears want to use more than one person in the run game now that Montgomery is gone, besides Justin Fields, it could be Khalil Herbert if you're desperate, which it happens sometimes when there are so many injuries. And uh, sticking with the running back position, Chris Carson. He did not practice Tuesday or Wednesday with a neck injury, something that we should monitor. That's probably why Alex Collins got involved at the end of the game there, sort of, um, for the Seahawks. So that is no bueno. Also, Peyton Barber, something that's kind of like man because Josh Jacobs is back. He's dealing with turf toe. Um, it's not a fracture, so that's good news, but I don't really know how relevant this is because now that Josh Jacobs is playing, Peyton Barber kind of goes to the to the background, but it's just something you should be aware of. Also, Will Fuller, um, not a very substantially long um, stint here so far in 2021. He is on injured reserve with a finger injury, so he is set to miss at least three weeks. And on some slightly better news, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback for the Broncos, he is progressing through the concussion protocol nicely, but Drew Locke is still taking first team reps with the offense. So that is something to monitor if you stream Teddy Bridgewater or if you have him, whether it's in a super flex or in a single QB league, keep your eye on Teddy Bridgewater status. And again, make sure you tune in on Friday because Pat Mayo goes through all of the injuries that you need to know when we have a little bit more information through a full week of practice. You'll likely see a lot of cues by a lot of names today. Wednesday is a classic veteran rest day. Um, They do that a lot, so I really don't take a lot of those cues by names very seriously on a Wednesday. It's when it creeps into Thursday and Friday that it becomes something you should really, really monitor. Unless it's something that's been lingering, you know, like we were talking about with Teddy Bridgewater, for example, who's in concussion protocol. So just be aware of that moving forward. Tune in on Friday, plus tune in anyway. I'm sure you do. Um, Big, big weekend of games coming up again. But let's go ahead and get to some names that might be available, whether or not to claim for your Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday waivers or that could be available in free agency because they weren't picked up or dropped in your most recent waiver processing day or evening, depending on when that happens. So let's uh, dive right into my my segment that I love to call streamers and dumpster dives. So 
Quarterbacks, let's go ahead and start with them. Daniel Jones, uh, he's still on the on the uh, waiver wire, I guess you said. He's still available. 34% rostered. That is it. They are playing Dallas. Dallas has allowed the fourth most points to according, uh, opposing quarterbacks. Excuse me. And uh, Daniel Jones has been getting it done through the air and with his legs. He's been showing that he can be that dual threat quarterback, if you will. So I kind of like picking up Daniel Jones. I really like this divisional matchup, and I really like the fact that Dallas um, – gives away a lot of points to the quarterback position. Um, in a little bit tougher matchup here, we have Taylor Heineke for Washington. He is 13% rostered, so he should be available as well. He does have a really hard matchup against New Orleans, but he still scored over 20 fantasy points when he played against Buffalo, and they were getting blown out. So I don't necessarily hate this for Taylor Heineke, but I especially like it as a either start this week, but definitely a stash for next week when they play Kansas City, who uh, I believe is third most when it comes to points allowed to the quarterback position, something ridiculously high like that. So Taylor Heineke is going to be a little bit more of a question mark this week. I still like playing him, but if there are other better matchups that you believe in more, I have no problem with us stashing Taylor Heineke for this week. And uh, last but not least, if you want to be what I like to call muy caliente, try Zach Wilson. Like I just said, I love Jamison Crowder on this offense, and I have Zach Wilson on the over for his passing yards, and um, I like it. He's 9% rostered, so he's definitely available there going up against the Falcons, who we like to pick on a lot in fantasy because the Falcons tend to bleed fantasy points to wide receivers and to quarterbacks. So I understand this is a, a little risky, because he is a rookie, he did. He had his best game last week, and even that wasn't really that awesome. But if you're super desperate, if you're in big, big leagues, this is a matchup based opportunity, and he is only nine percent rostered. So I don't hate it. But if you have other opportunities, I mean, I'm sure you should start them over Zach Wilson. But don't be surprised if he uh, surprises. Lots of surprises in that sentence. But moving right along from the quarterback position, let's jump into our tight ends. Now, Cole Komet, that's a name that has been floating around quite a bit. And I know he really hasn't had the fantasy boom that we've all kind of wanted from him. He still is only 25% rostered. And uh, Fields is going to be the starter now, moving forward. So it is possible that he's going to need a, a safety outlet. And that could very well be Cole Komet, especially in this matchup. They're playing the Raiders, who have allowed the 10th most points to the tight end position. So it is possible that Justin Fields is going to need to rely on some dank and dunks, especially without David Montgomery there, and they're going to be relying mostly on Damian Williams and possibly a little Khalil Herbert. So if there's a matchup where Cole Komet could get involved, I think this is a pretty good one against the Raiders. And another one too, Cameron Brait, guys, for the Buccaneers. Um, he's 17% rostered, and I know that he didn't have really the greatest fantasy performance that we would have really liked to see in Foxborough, but Okay, that was that game was not about anything else besides the reunion of Tom Brady with New England and this whole thing and it was so very dramatic with pouring down rain and it was it was weird. However, he did see Let's see, six targets, pardon me, six targets, three receptions, and 29 yards. So he did get involved in a game where there was not nearly as much scoring as we expected there to be when, like I said, there was a ton of rain. And Tom Brady is not afraid of targeting the tight end position. And Rob Gronkowski has broken ribs and a punctured lung. So if you need a tight end, Cameron Braid is going to be on the field. And he is 17% rostered. And last but not least, another spicy pick, kind of like my Zach Wilson pick was, but... CJ Uzama, okay, and I'm not a person that really likes to chase points. In fact, I despise doing that. But 
C.J. Ozama has been fantasy relevant in the past. He is only 6% rostered. Joe Mixon is hurt, so they're going to be relying in the run game on Samaj P. Ryan, possibly Chris Evans, who knows. So I think there is opportunity here for C.J. Ozama to get involved again because he had a monster game. So he is talented enough to get it done. He is athletic enough to get it done. And they're playing Green Bay, who have allowed the eighth most points to the tight end position. So if there is a game where C.J. Ozama can get involved, kind of like we were speaking a little bit of Cole Komet, who hasn't had that boom game yet like Uzama has, Maybe go for it. And if you don't feel like doing this in your redraft fantasy, totally get it. Try it in daily fantasy because his value is probably going to be pretty nice. So CJ Ozama, 6% rostered for the Bengals going up against Green Bay. Now the defense special teams is a little bit more thin this week than I normally like to see it, but I do have two options here for you. The first one is the Tennessee Titans, who are 38% rostered. They are going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and if you have been paying any attention to the news or football news, you might know that there's a little bit of turmoil going on in Jacksonville right now surrounding the moron head coach that is Urban Meyer. So there is a possibility that this team could be a little bit besides themselves this week, which will allow the Tennessee Titans to really exploit some of those weaknesses that we've already seen from Jacksonville, from Trevor Lawrence. Um, it's, I mean, that whole situation is a is a is a mess, you know. So yeah, let's take advantage of it in some positive way that we can. And why not stop the Tennessee Titans defense? I know I said this last week against the juiciest matchup ever with the Jets, and it did not pan out. In fact, it was the Jets' first win. Yay, football. Like, these things happen in fantasy, but the Jags have allowed the fifth most points to opposing defenses this year, so the opportunity is there, both intangibly as well as by the numbers that they have allowed to opposing defenses. And my last one here is the Las Vegas Raiders at 23% rostered against Chicago. So we're going up against Justin Fields here, a very bad offensive line, lots of opportunities for sacks, opportunities for interceptions, opportunity to minimize the run game now that David Montgomery is off the field. So Raiders aren't really a horrible look either, and they're kind of looking for a get-right game as well after they got pummeled by the Chargers. So I kind of like that intangible there as well for the defense. Um, and Chicago, again, I think they're like first, eighth, excuse me, they are eighth uh, ranked eighth that have allowed the eighth most points to the quarter to the defense position. Wow, I was way off on that whole thing. Let me try again. I knew it was only a matter of time before I messed something mega up. So let me try again. The Bears have allowed the eighth most points to opposing defenses and special teams. Nailed it. Boom. Mic drop. I'm not dropping the mic because we still have to get into our dumpster dives at the running back and the wide receiver position. Okay, so I already mentioned that Joe Mixon is injured. Now, depending on which coach you talk to, he's either day-to-day or he's week-to-week. Okay, it's a high ankle sprain. He is likely going to miss time. Is that confirmed? No. But... I have a feeling that he's likely going to miss time, and if he doesn't, he should be limited because he's really hurt. A high ankle sprain is no joke, so I think Samaj P. Ryan is either going to start or he's going to be heavily involved. He is still only 30% rostered now that waivers have processed, and they're facing Green Bay, like I mentioned. Um, you, They're not the weakest against the, run, against the run, but they are exploitable. So if you need a running back, which we all do, like we're running back needy just 
by default. But if you really, really need one, and Samaj P. Ryan is there, he is worth a grab. Another one is Alex Collins. Like I mentioned, Chris Carson has now missed two days of practice. Their game is on Thursday. Okay, so I'm recording this on Wednesday. I hope you are seeing this Thursday morning because they are going to give that game time decision status, if you will, to Chris Carson Thursday before the game. So if you have Alex Collins, he's only 14% rostered. He is the one that is going to be the primary beneficiary that I know of, at least, unless they sign someone else and something else crazy happens. But Alex Collins did a good job with it last week. He had 10 rush attempts, 44 yards, and a touchdown. I don't like the matchup, though. This is not something that I like for the Seahawks. They're playing the Rams, which are very good on defense anyway, but the Rams have a way of just dialing down on the Seahawks. They they know how to get it done. I, I mean, this was even before Sean McVay. So this is not the greatest of matchups, but again, you may not have a choice if Chris Carson is not playing or if you have another running back that is not playing at all. At least Alex Collins is going to see some time, especially if Chris Carson completely misses the game. All right, and last but not least, I did mention his name before as well, Khalil Herbert, 10% rostered. This is the now de facto RB2 in the Chicago offense. It's worth a stash. I, I won't call him an immediate starter unless for some reason that thigh bruise that Damian Williams has is a lot worse than we all thought. But picking him up and stashing him in case of further injury or in case of any creative usage with that RB2 in the offense. So I don't hate that at all. He is only 10% rostered. And last position, but certainly not least, are the wide receivers that are always a lot of fun. Okay, Brian Edwards for the Raiders. How is he not on everyone's team? <sighs> He's only 15% rostered, and especially this week, they have got a great, great matchup against Chicago. I feel like I'm picking on that game quite a bit. This is going to be a get-right game, like I mentioned before, for the Raiders. I have a feeling that Henry Ruggs, obviously Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Brian Adams are going to be very involved in this offense against the Bears. So I do like Brian Edwards if you need either a flex or if you need a wide receiver. Another one is Randall Cobb. Okay, this is real. Randall Cobb is very good at football. Aaron Rodgers is very good at football. And they both have a very, very deep history with one another. They are very, very close friends. Cobb is only 13% rostered, and he had a mega explosive game last week, and I do not think it's fluky. I think this is more of a trend, and their schedule up until I think week nine is unbelievable when it comes to the wide receiver position and who they can exploit just moving forward. So I love being able to pick up Randall Cobb, again, only 13% rostered. And finally, Dan speaking of Daniel Jones, I feel like I'm talking about the same people, but these are people that are available on your free agency or on the waiver wire for Saturday. Kadarius Tony, Daniel Jones, as long as he can keep playing like he is through the air, getting all of these wide receivers involved, especially with Sterling Shepard still questionable, out. I'm not really 100% sure of his status right now on this Wednesday evening that I am recording. But Kadarius Tony had a pretty good game, um, and he is becoming fantasy relevant. All of these wide receivers are becoming fantasy relevant. He did have nine targets. That's pretty dang good. Nine targets, six receptions, and 78 yards. And again, they're facing Dallas. Like I mentioned, it's a huge divisional game. Dallas has allowed the third most points to wide receivers so far this season. So if you need someone to start, Kadarius Tony could just be your dude. And that's it from me. I'm sorry if you missed out on those big names on the waiver wire, but hopefully I gave you a little bit of a leg up when it comes to some spot starts that you may need with some really, really good matchup opportunities. Remember to sign up for Prize Picks, prizepicks.com, promo code MMM. 
men or follow the link in the description of this video. And if you haven't done so, please go ahead and like this video, please, if you had as much fun as I did sharing all this information with you. And please subscribe to our channel at Mayo Media Net here because we come out with so much content all the time just for you to win some money in your redraft fantasy, daily fantasy, especially prize picks. Don't forget to put your 7-Eleven challenge in. Challenge picks in five over under. Set your bet amount to $7.11. And uh, I will see you on Sunday. Live Q&A, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. Come see me. Come say hi. Come ask some questions.